Even when you try to maintain a healthy diet, it can be tough to get all of the nutrients you need for long-term health. Care of makes it super easy and even fun to figure out what vitamins and supplements are best for your diet and lifestyle. Go to takecareof.com and take a short quiz to get your personalized vitamin recommendation. Use offer code AMR at checkout for 50% off your first month of vitamins. Hi, this is Sarah in Portland. Ugh, I don't even remember how to do it. Okay. Welcome to another Mother Runner Radio. This is Sarah in Portland. And this is Den this is Denver and Dimity. <laughs> I mean Dimity and Denver. Oh. So I want to tell you, Dimity, I want you actually to guess what I did last night. Maybe you read my Twitter feed, but um just take a guess. What did Didn't I do? Believe like? it or not, I don't spend my days, my free hours reading Twitter. Because you do you do have free hours, don't you, Dimity? I knew it. I do. I, do. I have them at the stoplight. I'm that person that reads the Twitter feed while I'm at the stoplight and then everyone honks at me. I'm that annoying one in the minivan. So if you see me, I got another mother runner sticker on my car. So um so no, I have no idea. What did you do, SBS? I went for my first ever restorative yoga class. Um, oh, wow. and that I'm so excited because I'd been on the hunt for just exactly such a class since we had Sage Roundtree on our show. And she had uh, told me that it was the perfect yoga for a tight runner like me. And um, by tight, I don't mean like, you know, staying is tight type, you know, <laughs> like slang that kids say, <laughs> but actually my I'm muscle. Tight. I'm tight. <laughs> yeah. um, so I was so excited that the new fitness studio that I go to in here in Northeast Portland, it's called the Refinery, um, started offering um, restorative yoga classes every Tuesday night. So I told Jack that he was on for cooking dinner for the kids and himself, and that um, the class was from seven to eight, and it was just so awesome. It was, you know, it was not a ton of poses. It was not um, me trying to look like the most lame warrior there is. Um, <laughs> Get your warrior on, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, I, I, we didn't even do downward dog or sun salutation, and it, it just. When I left there, I mean, even just driving home in the minivan, it was like, oh, look at that. My shoulders aren't quite as close to my ears as they typically are. And just my hips felt so much more open. I didn't, you know, kind of creak when I got out of the van when I got home. And so I, I, th- I, I'm putting it out here. I think I might be committing to doing that. I can't say every week, but maybe how about every other week? Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, you always can't do all or nothing. Like mm-hmm. don't say I'm going to do it or I'm not, you know, but just say that was great. And I'll try and get there when I can. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because yeah, I think that's really, I used to take a yoga for runners class back when I lived in Colorado Springs and yeah, I really liked it a lot. And I liked the, the emphasis on, um, just the different parts of the body that need to be opened up. I mean, I realize that restorative yoga is different than yoga for runners, but I mean, there's something to be said for just slowing down. I mean, one of my things that I'm doing these days is lying, um, on a foam roller, um, mm-hmm. just a long way and letting my shoulders open up and kind of my pecs loose, you know, kind of mm-hmm. opening up my chest. Um, and, uh, and so what I do is, you know, I'm supposed to do it for like five to 10 minutes a day. So I find a, uh, story that I want to listen to on NPR, my, you know, on my, um, Your my app, app. Uh-huh. and, uh, and I'm like, okay, well, I'm just going to lie here and listen to it. And I don't, 
I mean, I don't ever do that. So it was, it's kind of a nice little treat just to say, okay, the goal of this is to relax. You know, mm-hmm. I usually pick, a, I pick a good story. I don't pick, you know, something that's going to get me all troubled and right. worried about the state of the world or you know, right. whatever it is. Yeah. Oh, so. well, well, remember that imitation is the most sincere form of flattery and I might have to start doing that. Okay. It's really nice. It's really nice. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just answer my call. If I'm, if I call you while you're on the phone. Right. Or, if my, if the you don't app, have to be that relaxed. Yeah. If the app cuts out and I hear a little ping, Bing, and it's you. Yeah, I'll answer yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, so guess what I'm doing today? Uh, you're enjoying your empty house. Yes. Oh my gosh, <laughs> this is me. Can you hear my feet? They're doing a happy dance. I'm sorry. I love my kids. God, I love my kids. I, you know, would die without them. But holy cow, that something is just holiday break is so different than summer break. I don't know what it is. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, because Grant and I are like, how do we do three months over the summer? But you're just in a different <laughs> mentality, you know, and I guess there's swim team well, and get, camp. And, and you get coping mechanisms. I mean, yeah, you get p- things in place that help you out instead of just going, you know, I don't know. F- what are we going to do today? Yeah, yeah. What are we going to do today? Yeah. And we had, I mean, we did, we did a lot. Of, I mean, we went to the museum. We went to, we went skating. skating we went skiing. We, I mean, we did a lot of good stuff. But, um, I mean, a sucker punch was, um, I put this up on our website, but, um, Ben, my younger one, on uh, we went skating on Sunday, and I was looking to get him, you know, a little uh, treat. Kind of, I was like, he needs a little jolt of sugar because he was losing energy. So I'm like, oh, let's go in and get a treat. You know, I'm showing him Skittles. You know, I'm even offering up the Sprite, like whatever you want. Um, he wanted water. I was like, oh, that's not a good sign. <laughs> <laughs> so he had strep, which is um, now thankfully he had strep and not the flu. So. That's, you know, get some meds in them, 24 hours, they're back out the door. So they were supposed to go back to school, you know, one day ago. Ben went, had an extra day, but. Right, right. C'est la vie. Oh, my goodness. So, and. and um, it's a, because it's all about work-life balance, right? Which that's my, that's my good segue into our guest, right? But, but but wait, before we get to the guest, I have to, you know, oh. drum roll and, you know, trumpets and I don't know, some, some other fireworks maybe to say that um, this is the start of our our podcast being weekly instead of every oh, other yeah. week. Yeah. So let's, let's, I forgot yay, about that. yay, yay, yay. Another happy dance. Can you hear my feet? Yeah. Weekly, like- you get to hear us every week. So now you get to hear about not only my lice and my strap, but maybe I'll like clue you in on some other really fun stuff going on in my house. Right. <laughs> every week. What's going on in Dimity's house? What's broken? Who's sick? What farming are crawling through? That's going to, that's going to really rock the ratings. <laughs> Oh, I'm not supposed to laugh directly into the mic, but I think I might have to. Oh my goodness! Anyway, so yeah, so I'll, 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 as you chuckle, um, yeah. I will uh, say we've got a great guest coming on who does talk about work-life balance. Um, and so, without further ado, here she is. So today we have Michelle Yaziski, um, who is a Highlands Masters athlete. Uh, she's a uh, Ironman triathlete and a marathoner. And she started out as the director of human resources for the U.S. Senate, um, which you're kind of like, huh, why do you have her on? But um, she left that job, um, uh, and then she found Try the World Travel, a travel agency specializing in endurance world travel. Uh, Michelle's also a triathlon coach. And the, the spark that um, led us to having her on the show is that Highlands told us that Michelle had developed and teaches a work-life balance course for the National in- Institutes for Health so we're excited to talk to her about that. So thanks for joining us, Michelle. Thanks. Thanks for having me. So Michelle, um, tell us about a little bit about your triathloning and marathoning. I mean, give us a, a little bit of a background, some an athletic bio, if you will. 
Well, in school, I was always active as a child, um, playing sports in high school, and then I played collegiate volleyball uh, in Nevada. And after sports ended, uh, with no mandatory practices to go to, I was a bit concerned, uh, like many of us are, as, as to how I would keep in shape. Uh, so I started biking. And at the time, I despised running. I, I was the kid when they said, "Let's, you know, run a run a mile to warm up." I'd be, "Oh, I think I have cramps," or "I think I I, I need to go to the restroom." Or I have my period. That's the big one. Yeah, I can't. I yeah. can't run. I can't run. I've got my period. Yeah, yeah. Or, or you know, I'd, I'd find something to to look at underneath the bleachers. But anyway, I, I despised it. So I started cycling, and I did some of the charity rides. And in the meantime, I would see. Uh, the Iron Man broadcast, I think that we all see on television once a year, thinking, ah, oh, one day that would be really neat to do. And I kind of brushed it off saying, well, I couldn't because I don't like to run. So that was easy. And then I Were you started- a swimmer? Did you know how to swim? I was. I mean, I knew how to swim like I think most of us know how to swim as kids. Uh-huh. Um, and But that is so far different than uh, the efficiencies of needing to alter the, that child swim stroke to- to racing, to triathlon swim. Um, but I did have a base there, at least. I knew how to swim. So you weren't uh, freaked out by the water, basically? No, no. But I think we all go through the little freak out moment when you get into the world of triathlon and you have your first open water swim. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's like they, what they call it, what the, the, uh, the washing machine. You know, you get yes. the contact and the, the grabbing at the ankles and all of that. So uh, you have to experience that to, to prepare for it. But anyway, uh, so... I started cycling and people that I was cycling with were talking about training for, for triathlons and how I should do it. And I would just kind of brush them off. So then I finally decided, you know, let me just do a 5k. Uh, I'm sure I will just hate it. And then I could just cross it off my list. So I did my first 5k and I actually liked it. It was pretty scary. (laughs) So I thought, okay, let's do the 10k. You know, you're going to despise the 10k. Well, lo and behold, I finished with a smile on my face and thought, that was pretty cool. So I did the half and then signed up for Marine Corps Marathon. I thought, okay, here you go, hotshot. You are going to despise this to no end. And you could say, been there, done that, sold the t-shirt. So instead, did it, loved it, and signed up for my first Ironman race uh, after that. So I had been doing some smaller races after the 5 and 10K, some smaller triathlons, and then working my way up to see if I had the the guts and the fortitude and whatever else it takes, I think, a level of insanity uh, to do the, the full Ironman. And so when sure, sure. when was, how long was that progression and what when was it that you did Marine Corps? Uh, Marine Corps was 2002, mm-hmm. I believe. My first full Ironman uh, was 2005. Mm-hmm. Iron Man, Florida. And how many have you done since then? Uh, Foles, I've done three. I've got another one slated for this year. Uh, Iron Man Lake Tahoe. It's the inaugural race. Oh boy! And it happens. Yeah, it happens to be where I'm from, so it's uh, a bit of a, a homecoming race. So that'll be pretty exciting. Okay. Uh, and then half our half Ironmans. I've done. Gosh, I've I've lost track. Probably sixty to seventy. Oh my god! And then. Wow. Okay. Lots of sprints and, and Olympic distances and then marathons, half marathons and so forth. Sure, right. sure. What, so, so out of all the races that you've done, um, what, do you like a particular distance over the other or do you just kind of like to mix it up or what's your, kind of your favorite race if you had to pick one? Boy, um, that's a tough one. The, the distance, the half Ironman is, is a really enjoyable distance, I think. Although I did an Olympic distance in September of this past year and I finished the I crossed the finish line and thought, wow, that's a 
very reasonable distance. <laughs> <laughs> I'm done in about three hours or whatever your time is. Yeah, but it's not out there all day long powering it through, right? I think we actually cleaned up and went to brunch afterwards. It was it was kind of daunting in terms of training. So you really need to look at ways that you're going to squeeze that into your schedule. Um, some people refer to it as another full-time job to just get the training in. But through the years, I think I've found some ways to to really incorporate that so it's not such a, a beast uh, in terms of the preparation and looking at race day basically as the celebration of all that work and juggling and um, and discipline that it took to even toe the line. Mm-hmm. In your um, so you're a, a Highlands Masters athlete, and and I was watching the YouTube video on Highlands site, and I I loved your line. I think it was at the end of the video about you said I've faced adversity intentionally, and I can do this. And so hearing you talk about your fifty to sixty half Ironmans and and the uh, Ironmans you've done, it made me think of that line. Um, talk a little bit a bit more about the lessons you've learned in in sport and how they can translate into other areas of your life. Sure. What I find with being active um, and racing specifically, it doesn't matter if I'm towing the line for a 5K, full marathon, sprint triathlon, or full Ironman. You know, and as the two of you know from, from racing, the, the minute you tow the line, you know you're going to hit that, that emotional roller coaster. You're going to feel great. You're going to feel horrible. You're going to feel great again two minutes later, halfway through, you ask yourself, did I really pay for this? <laughs> exactly. What am I doing out here again? Why was this a good idea? You go through this whole uh, roller coaster of, of emotions and feelings, but at the end, you get to that high again where you feel like you've really accomplished it. I mean, you know it's, it's going to hurt. You know it's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to push you outside of, of your normal comfort zone. You don't have to do the races, so this is something you've intentionally signed up for. So... As you were saying, Sarah, what the way I look at it is that it is an opportunity to practice facing adversity. So every time I cross the finish line, I envision it as adding to what I call my reservoir. And again, it doesn't matter the distance of the race. I, I get the same sensation that I've, I've just added to my reservoir. I, I got through the hurdles of this physically and emotionally, and it's made me a stronger person. So that when I have a bad day or life gives me a, a difficult situation, instead of the knee-jerk reaction of, oh my gosh, how am I going to get through this? I kind of get myself together and realize that I've practiced going through hard times. Not only practice, but paid for it. (laughs) (laughs) And traveled across the country for the opportunity, right? So it's kind of like a savings account of mental toughness is kind of what I'm, I mean, how I would picture it. I kind of like that image that you just like, you keep adding to the bank because you don't consciously like practice like, oh, mental toughness. I mean, or do you? Well, I think depending on what kind of training. So um, it's not as if someone's holding a gun to your head to, to prepare uh, for the race, for instance, the two of you have done the New York City Marathon, uh, as have I. Great race, parenthetically. <laughs> you know, when it comes time to train for that 18-mile, 20-mile, or 22, however high you're going to go. Since 2011, BarkBox has been committed to making dogs happy. For humans, BarkBox is a delivery of four to six natural treats and super fun toys curated around a surprise theme each month. For dogs, BarkBox is like the joy of a million belly scratches. Bark boxes include all-natural treats and innovative toys to match a dog's unique needs, including allergies and heavy chewer preferences. Not a phrase I say every day. Dimity's dog Mason, an energetic Weimaraner, is eagerly awaiting his first bark box. 
Jiminy let BarkBox know the breed, size, and even name of her dog, as well as the all-important chewing preferences. And now, on the 15th of each month, a new box will get shipped to Mason. Each monthly box is themed, like Country Fair or Brooklyn Hipster, with new and unique toys to keep dogs engaged, interested, and happy. If your pooch doesn't like something in the box, BarkBox promises to send something they'll love for free, because BarkBox is all about dog happiness. Choose a plan. One, six, or 12-month plans are available. Cancel any time. Free shipping in the continental U.S. For a free extra month when you subscribe to a six- or 12-month plan of BarkBox, visit BarkBox.com AMR. That's BarkBox.com AMR. Woof! Thanks to StoryWorth for supporting our podcast. StoryWorth is a subscription service started by a fellow who wanted families to be able to share their memories and anecdotes with each other. Here's how it works. Purchase a StoryWorth subscription for someone you love, and each week, StoryWorth sends that loved one an email with a question about his or her life. The person either replies with his or her story via email, or records it by phone by calling a StoryWorth number. After a year, the stories are bound in a lovely hardcover keepsake book. My husband Jack and I gifted StoryWorth to his dad, and we're especially looking forward to hearing his tales about going to medical school in Dublin, Ireland, which is where Jack was born and spent the first four years of his life. Then we'll share the book with Jack's siblings. For $20 off, visit StoryWorth.com AMR when you subscribe. That's StoryWorth.com AMR. No, you can always turn around. You can always cut that route short. And then you live with, did I do enough? Should I have stayed out longer? So in, when you ask, do I prepare for that mental toughness? I think we all do, in essence, in training for whichever event we're working on, because there's, there's always a, sh- a shortcut to take as an option. It's the practice of not choosing the option and enduring the extra three miles or whatever you had scheduled to, to uh, finish your training day up. Sure, sure. It's not, it's, not a good, it's not a good flavor left in your mouth when you, you, know, when you quit before you know you should have <laughs> and you're physically capable of keeping on going. I, I don't like that feeling at all. Oh, bodies are amazing, aren't they? they? They're kind of equipped to tap us on the shoulder and say, you know, you feel comfortable this doesn't feel good right now, or you're having a bad moment, maybe you should just call it a day. And it's the kind of the, the devil and angel on the shoulder syndrome, you know, where you have sure. to talk out of it. It's, it's not going to kill you to run what you were trained to run, um, so long as you're not going at mock speed. <laughs> I, I think in, in practicing these, these training runs, even before you get to the race, by making yourself go the distance that you're supposed to go, given your training schedule or your coach's advice, um, it helps to be able to push that that barrier uh, further and further down the road. Exactly, exactly. Or put put some more money in the bank. That's what I, I'm gonna. I'm doing my first Ironman actually in um, June, and so I got. I, I have about fifty cents in my bank right now. I think if I'm being uh, if I'm being honest, I, I think you might. Money. I think you might be overdrawn in it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I'm giving all my money to um, to go to the chiropractor. So anyway, um, but that's not about me right now. Okay. So the cool thing. I mean, I loved reading that you were the head of human resources for the Senate. I mean, that is such a, that seems like such a cool job. I mean, what was it like? First of all, was it a pretty high presser job? I mean, how many hours a week were you working? Well, I think everyone in DC tends to think that um, the more hours you work, the higher up the food chain you are, which, sure. you know, between that and the gate of your pace. It's, it's, <laughs> so a lot of hours were put in um, by everybody. And I think part of that uh, and part of the pressure, and it was a nonpartisan position, which made it difficult when, you know, from a human resources perspective, when somebody does something and you're asked a question 
like, uh, well, what senator do they work for or what, um, you know, how did they get here? In other words, what's their affiliation? And you have to be the reason that says it's irrelevant at this point. This is what happened. So there were some some challenges dealing with that, to put it mildly. Uh, <laughs> and actually, that helped my my running endeavor uh, because I would literally push myself away from my desk and run down the National Mall, uh, which isn't a shopping mall. It's the nice big grassy area <laughs> of the monuments. And I would go down and, and run by Lincoln and turn back and, and run back up to my office, shower, and have greater clarity and um, and some resolution to some things that were pent up before I went for the run. So it was a fantastic job. Um, I'm really proud of the work that that uh, we were able to accomplish on the Hill. And you know, it's it's kind of mind boggling to think of what goes on there on a daily basis and the. Um, the the different pressure points, you know, and when you talk about making time to to look after yourself and for health and wellness, that that time frame gets shorter and shorter because of those types of, of pressures. And then you add family and, and other responsibilities and it seems virtually overwhelming. Mm-hmm. And so what was it like to leave that job on, on the hill and, and uh, start a business based on your sporting passion? Oh, people thought I was crazy, including my family. <laughs> like people would die in that job. And I said, great, let somebody else do that. <laughs> 10 years is a good amount of time. Um, I, you know, this is coming from somebody who at one point had aspirations to run for public office. And I was a bit disillusioned. Um, it was, it was quite enlightening to be able to see the machinations, you know, what goes on behind the scenes and that part of it did not endear itself to me. So I did, after 10 years, I was coming back from a race in um, in Chile, in Pucan, a great half Ironman race there. And on the plane, I drew my logo. I drew the globe and I drew a swimmer, a biker and a runner. And I said, this is going to be my business. And I got back and started to put those wheels in motion. So in the Senate after 10 years, it, it was a big jump and I was I was quite nervous about it. Um, it's a risky step to take, you know, leaving a, a pretty prestigious position, um, making a, a decent salary with full benefits and so forth, and jumping into something that I didn't really know would make it, aside from the only person I would have to blame if it didn't was myself. So rather than sit up on Capitol Hill and, and work in that environment and watch somebody else take my idea and run with it, I thought, I have to do this now or, or never. So I did. And I have to tell you, I haven't looked back. Um, I've got some great friends that still work at the Senate. Thankfully, I left in a, a very good situation. So I'm able to to visit and, and have great uh, relations that follow. Uh, but I'm, I'm very thankful and feel very blessed that I have the opportunity to be an entrepreneur and to, to have some success at it. It's really exciting. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, so, I mean, we, you know, Sarah and I are kind of small business owners with another mother runner and, um, and you obviously are a business owner as well. Um, so this work-life balance thing, um, we've heard such a thing exists. Is that, is that true? It, it does actually exist. I mean, I, I would just ask when you think of work-life balance, the two of you, is there anyone in your life and it might even be yourself, uh, that comes to the forefront of your mind that emulates even a semblance of work-life balance? Hmm. Think of anyone? I mean, I'm not looking for names, but... Yeah. This isn't about us, Michelle. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, 
Let's see. I, it's, it's hard. I mean, especially, I mean, both Sarah and I have kids, you know, under 10 or 10 and under. Sarah's daughter's about to be 10. And it is really hard to figure out, you know, the only thing that I can say that I, the only thing that really feels balanced in my life and Dimity's life is that I exercise in the morning and that kind of cements my day and it's a constant and it makes me feel grounded and ready to take on the day. And beyond that, it's kind of a crapshoot, you know? I think the the myth is that we expect it's going to be a perfect balance, which I don't think it it ever can be. And because we don't see it as a perfect balance, we write it off as a myth or unrealistic. I think the first step is to realize and acknowledge that it can't be a perfect balance. It's it's going to change on a day-to-day basis, but there are things that we can do uh, each day to to try and focus on or ensure that the life side of that balance is able to rise at least a bit closer to the work or the family or the the responsibility side uh, as possible. You know, each it's it's really going to ebb and flow based on our priorities, and that can change on a given day. And certainly, having children, it'll change multiple times in the same day. So it's learning to to realize it's not going to be a perfect balance, and trying to adjust and use the time that we have. Uh, to maximize that time and look for places of efficiency where we can shave a little bit of time off and put that in the what I call the um, the you time or the you category, so that you can use that to to get your run in dimity or to um, to practice or to dust the the dust off of the guitar that's been sitting in the corner of the guest room for five years. You know, whatever that is that's going to help you feel grounded, ignite that that joy. Um, and what I call is, is keeping your bucket full. And it's not the bucket like the bucket list. <laughs> it's the analogy of we all wake up with, with a full bucket if we can get a full night's sleep. <laughs> Throughout the day, things, you know, that liquid, whatever's filling that bucket will be spilled. Some people will come up and take a ladle of it as, at a time. Um, other people might just come and kick over that bucket. You know, it, if something happens that's really upsetting and you feel drained, it, it saps your, your energy and it, it really poisons our outlook. The problem is, is we don't look at what we can do to keep that bucket full throughout the day. And then at the end of the day, we're just, we're wiped. We have no energy. We're cranky. We still have to cook. We still have to take care of other responsibilities. And, and we're frustrated and feeling overwhelmed. So I think it, it really is identifying that we're looking at progress, not perfection. And you have to schedule some you time because you will only be as good to yourself and to those that are relying on you, whether it's your family, your workplace, or otherwise, um, as much as you are taking care of yourself. You know, I think of the analogy on the airplane and they have the little yellow mask and they say, you know, in the unfortunate event of cabin pressure loss. Now, I don't know that there's fortunate cabin pressure loss. <laughs> they, they say, you know, put that mask on first before the child or the person behaving like a child. That's such a basic analogy, but it's true. Because we can't, if we're not looking after ourselves, even for 15 minutes or half an hour at a time, uh, each day and carving out that time, we can't ultimately be as good to those that are relying on us. I really love that bucket analogy. I mean, that that is so visual to me and so 
Um, just something I think I'm going to be able to reflect back on day to day and think about like, okay, replenish the the bucket or is my bucket leaking? So I really like that. Thank you. Um, well, so, so what are some, I mean, sorry to interrupt, but I'm curious, what are some tips to keep it full? You know, I mean, so I I think we all believe that we need this me time and you got to have some joy in your life and something you're passionate about, but it's, it's kind of a lot easier said than done sometimes realistically. Sure. I think a lot boils down to time management. Uh, we all have very busy schedules. And once you've acknowledged the fact that you need to work on keeping that bucket full uh, and you need to schedule the you time, you know, we're so derailed oftentimes by other conflicting appointments. You know, well, someone else needs my time during this time and I was going to run, but I'll move my run off later. And what happens is we don't do the run. It ends up going to the next day or the next day. So trying to keep that scheduled and looking at where you can, in essence, make time. Uh, and by doing that, you're looking at things like filtering out uh, activities and, and as rude as it sounds, even some people that kind of sap that time or energy um, in, in the workplace. I call this person like a chatty Kathy or a chatty Chad about their cup of coffee or whatever it is they're drinking. And, and they just go on for 15, 20 minutes. In the meantime, your, your to-do list is growing. You have 15 new emails to respond to. And there was no value added during that exchange. So finding ways to kind of curb those types of, of interactions or minimizing those. Um, even to, if you have to turn to the person and say, you know, I, I'm sorry, I've got a deadline I'm working on. Is there something that you needed? And finding a way to, to cut back a little bit on that time. And, and other activities. Um, some activities are, are mandatory. I mean, we can't go by without groceries. Um, or some of us have that dry cleaning uh, habit that we're, that we're into based on the business attire that we wear. So Saturday morning, you're showing up at the dry cleaners with your stack of laundry and 50 other people doing the same thing. Um, and then you've got to go back and find time to pick it up. But looking at ways that you can minimize that time. For instance, with the grocery shopping, there are nationwide, there's things like uh, Peapod or even the Safeways now are, are doing this grocery delivery. Well, if that's going to save time from driving to the, the grocery store, doing the shopping, and then driving back, not to mention the aggravation with the shopping carts and the, the parking lot, you, know, you can use that extra time and have those groceries delivered to your house. And people will say, well, that, that's going to cost me more money and I don't have those additional funds. But if you work it right, there are different um, specials that these groups offer where they will actually pay you. Uh, I think it, the highest I've ever seen was $25 that you'll get as a credit and free delivery. So huh. you get $5 towards your groceries plus free delivery and you didn't have to leave your house. So you could use that time to do the yoga or to do, um, you know, read the, the extra two chapters on that book that you still haven't finished that you're lamenting about because you have no time. So finding ways for efficiencies. Well, unfortunately, we have, speaking of time, run out of time. So thank you so much, Michelle, for, for joining us. We really appreciate it. Thank you. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Take care. So I like that a lot. She talks about the value of um, a lot of things about value, you know, mental toughness and valuing yourself and, um, and keeping your bucket full. Let's mm-hmm. keep our bucket full. Okay, Sarah? I, I like that. It's a, it's a good goal. We can, I can visualize it. So that ends another Mother Runner for today. But um, check us out on our website, anothermotherrunner.com. Our Facebook page is Run Like Mother the Book. 
We now have three Twitter accounts, our newest being at The Mother Runner, and I'm at SBS on the Run, and she's at Dimity on the Run. And most importantly, perhaps, are our books, Run Like a Mother and Train Like a Mother, which are available on Amazon.com. Thanks for joining us, and we'll talk to you next week. Yay! Yay!